All right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS This Is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast, and this is episode 222. This is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. YouTube.com slash PS This Is Awesome. And also go visit us on Twitter at PS This Is Awesome. If you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at AnchorLess81 and Mr. Jake Peters at JakeSaw01. And as always, you can write the show at awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Make sure you leave comments. Rate the podcast as you see fit. And as a reminder, we also do the podcast in video form as well. So you can watch the show if you prefer over at our YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe to that. And for new and or long-time listeners, we now have a Patreon. You can support our show at a $1 a month level called the One and Only $1 Club. You can head over to patreon.com slash awesome to become a $1 patron, get a free die-cut vinyl sticker mailed to you, and a shout-out on the show. Jake, I might have to change that intro uh, because I don't know that our trophy lists are very laughable anymore. I feel like we've been doing this for a while. I feel like our trophy lists are pretty good. Um, I would say they're still laughable. Compared to maybe, like, I don't know, some people... But now, if you look, but the thing you got to look at is our trophy list. If you look at the current, the current uh, um, availability of video games and what's out there and what's coming out and what's not, yeah. And then you look at our list and what we're actually playing. It's pretty small. Ah, but whatever. I'm proud of my trophies at this point. How are you doing today, Jake? Early morning, Sunday morning. Happy Mother's Day to you. Yeah. Um, to all those people that are, like, wishing Happy Mother's Day to people who just, like, have animals. I did that to Sarah the other day. Don't, don't fucking do It was that. hilarious. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I don't have any kids, but mm. and we have animals. You've probably seen, if you watched the video, you've probably seen my cat jump through the video sometimes, but... Um, I don't know. It's just weird to me. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind like referring to like, if you're talking to your dog, like referring to yourself as their parent or whatever, like that doesn't bother me, but like celebrating mother's day. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You don't like the title dog father. I think it's pretty dope. <laughs> Jake. No, I don't, ha- I don't have a problem. <laughs> I don't have a problem with people referring to their pets as their kids. It's that like, you know, you don't need a fucking. You have a real mother who like sacrificed real things to like Her raise life. you. Like okay, so you were able to like feed a dog and play with it a little bit. So yeah. that doesn't that those aren't equal. Yeah, there's a there's a different set of responsibilities and skills uh, <laughs> and commitment to raising a child over an animal. But we love our animals as children, though. I think sure. I think we do. The love is still there, and I think that's where people. Tie that in. Um, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're doing good? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's pretty nice this weekend, so I was able to spend some time outside. Yeah. I'm probably spend all day today outside, try to go see my mom at some point. But mm. other than that, nothing really crazy going on. Yeah, same. I uh, had a gig Friday night. And then I had a gig last night, and your wife was out there singing with me. 
That was a fun time. I actually ran into uh, Troy plays guitar in the flood and in One by Land. And uh, his brother, Eric, was in town. And he was hanging out with Clamps. And uh, they just showed up at our show. And it was just ridiculous. So it's always ridiculous. I was kind of... Sarah texted me about that. And I was kind of wondering why... Doesn't seem like a place that that he would go, but yeah. I guess they're uh, getting older. I don't know, you know. I mean, and maybe Eric wanted to go there. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, so it was a good night. But if my voice sounds a little wrecked, it's because of that. Um, <clears throat> singing six hours in the last two days. Uh, but yeah, so did that, and then I, I wanted to bring up that I finally platinumed The Last of Us Part Two. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, did not have Pretty to cool. beat it in Grounded or in Survivor. I don't have a hundred percent trophy completion, but I still did earn the platinum. So, so what did they add trophies whenever they added like Survivor and stuff? Yeah, they're or, they're or bonus. Tro- mode? Yeah, bonus trophies that are in like a subset of the game. You know, like sometimes when you go to a games trophy list, it gives you like two two uh, divergent branches. You know, when there's like DLC or something. So yeah, I got. I got all of the original OG trophies for The Last of Us Part Two, and I'm real proud of that. That was good. That was a good one. Maybe that's what fed into my trophy ran a little bit earlier. But I just uh, did that, and then I got my my GoPro. So let me let me talk a little bit because the listeners don't really mind, I don't think. And you're into motorcycling, and we actually have a ride and review where you talked about the Diablo, uh, what was it, the Diablo 3 remake? Um, the Diablo 2 that's what it was. remake beta test. Yeah, you did a ride and review, and I loved that idea. And I remember we were standing out in my front yard once, and we were talking about how we should try to dial in a little bit more, maybe a niche thing or um, something to involve motorcycles and the podcast. And I loved the idea. And uh, so I've slowly been building up my helmet capabilities, and I uh, I got I why well, I have a uh, GoPro Hero Eight now, and uh, the stupid thing about the Hero Eight versus like any earlier models, and I didn't realize this, is that the earlier models of the GoPro, the lens on them, you can just replace it; it just pops right off, right? So in case it gets damaged, you can pull out the lens. Buy a new one for like 25 30 bucks, and your camera's back to normal. The Hero 8 does not have a removable lens. So if that lens gets jacked, your camera's done. So I feel like we were talking about this when you were looking at buying it. Yeah. So anyways, I got it. But then they have this thing called a roll cage. And uh, it's just like this rubber gasket thing that goes around the entire camera that has an additional – like it pops out where the lens is, and then they put a protective lens in the roll cage. So mm-hmm. it serves as a secondary lens in case it does take a hit or something, and then that, that one will get jack, jacked up, and then you can replace that lens. So then I started looking into these moto moto vloggers and their Hero 8 settings, right, what they're using, the the – you know, 4K, shutter speeds, uh, you know, I, I guess all of that stuff. Uh, 30 frames a second, you know, 24, if they're going full 60, why they do and don't do certain things. Talking about the camera maybe overheating if you're shooting a full 60 at like the super wide angle at 4K, the battery life. And then I got 
down this rabbit hole where they were talking about ND filters. And ND filters essentially are a way to dial down so you can leave the you can leave the shutter speed way open so it brings in maximum light, right? You get all this data. But the problem is is that your image can get washed out. So the GoPro has a tendency that when you're riding around with it outdoors, like if you're going through like a canopy of trees and light comes down in, if you have it on an auto shutter speed, what will happen is, is the video will get blown out a little bit because it was set for like being under the trees and then it blows out and then it comes back in and blows out. So it does this thing. So like, oh, get an ND filter, set the shutter speed to like a manual maximum. That way it doesn't adjust and just throw an ND filter on in your font, which is perfect if you have a Hero 9, 10, or 7. So I have the 8. So now I started looking at ND, ND filters, and apparently you can get them for the roll cage, that replacement lens that they make for the roll cage that pops in and out to protect your real mm. lens. They make ND filters that fit that. So, But it's like 100 bucks, and I'm like, I don't know. If I'm going to do any kind of video filming and stuff while I'm on my bike, dude, Like, I want it to look good. But I don't want to spend $100 on a little square thing that is essentially sunglasses for my camera. Um, but the difference is remarkable uh, if you look at the different moto vlogging YouTube channels between having an ND filter and not having one. Um, but anyways, so yeah, I have the uh, the GoPro mount now on my helmet, and uh, it seems to be working. So that happened. I uh, downloaded... Blood Hunt, the vampire game, and I haven't played it. And then I also downloaded Tribes of Midgar. Have not played it. Uh, yeah, I, I claimed it, but I haven't. I haven't played it yet. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the that ride and review I did for the um, for the podcast because I, I didn't remember having those types of issues with my camera yeah what camera are you using the uh, the dji osmo action yeah which is which is uh um it's made by dji who's like the industry leader in drones yeah yeah so it, it's a pretty good camera uh, and honestly i was looking at it you know there there's a lot of comparisons between it and like the the hero eight or the hero nine. I can't remember which one it was. Mm -hmm. And it was like, they were a little similar. They were similar. Maybe the hero nine was like a smidge better or something like that. But it was like the, the DJI was $200 versus $400. Yeah. So I was just like, fuck it. I'll try it. But it does have a removable lens and all that. I haven't fucked with any of that though. I mean, honestly, I didn't, really mess with the settings at all i was just like plug and play dude okay you know 4k 60 or whatever the fuck i chose um and then just kind of went with it so yeah um, so if you want but yeah you can get you can get crazy with that stuff you can and it's kind of fun you know when things look really rad so you know a lot of people are or, you know, I don't know. If you want it to look cinematic, you're going for 30 or 24 frames a second or whatever. And then, you know, the shutter speed roll would be, you know, 30 frames. You'd do one over 60 for the shutter. But they're saying just max the fuck out of that and then just throw an ND filter on. You should be fine. Um, and those come at different grades or whatever. But anyway, something I'm looking into. There was another thing I was going to bring up real quick. 
Oh, as far as the helmet setup, in order to actually do any kind of podcast, so the GoPro, this is another hurdle I'm going to have, is that you can't just jack a mic into it. So uh, you, it comes with, you have to buy this attachment, right? That plugs into the GoPro, and then you got to wire a mic to the attachment. So if you got a helmet on, we we've already got our comm systems in there, so we got a mic in there. And then, like I was telling you, like the lav mic will be next probably. But I need to get this stupid auxiliary thing. But my problem is going to be, I don't know if I can attach the unit necessary to plug a mic into my GoPro if I have the roll cage on it. And I don't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even bother with that. Yeah. Nobody does that in moto vlogging. They, they. So how do they record, record their voices? Right. Record it separately. How? You take the lav mic, and most people like I use a. I use an actual audio recorder, like a Tascam. Just recorder. run it it's to in your my phone. jacket. But you could. You probably could do it to your phone. It depends. Whatever recorder you're using has to have input level adjustment. Because the lav mic is so close to your mouth it's gonna be that like, it like overloads the input, so you have to have something where you can turn the input level down, yeah. the input gain. Interesting. And some phones don't have the ability to do that, but I think the iPhone does. So you should be able to just get the, you know, whatever the adapter is to go from the stupid Apple port to a, a regular lav or a regular microphone jack, and then find yeah. a um can't remember there was there was a piece of audio recording software for phones an app that i found i don't remember the name of it but it does have for certain phones you can actually do the the input adjustment that's cool um i'll look but yeah i just in. yeah i just use a the task cam recorder because it's just easier i don't have to fuck with my phone yeah very but, good um yeah i guess we should probably talk about games jake that's what we're here to do today but I did want to remind real quick before we get on with what we're playing, um, the PlayStation Plus game that we did choose for this month, and uh, we, we've agreed to make good with the listeners, is Tribes of Midgar. So that is one of the free May PlayStation Plus games of the month. Jake and I are both going to download it, mess with it for a little bit, and then the last podcast this month, we're going to give you an opinion piece on it. So... If you want to be part of that journey with us, go download it for free if you're a Plus member. Give the game a whirl. I'm open to playing with listeners, so uh, my handle's anchorless underscore 81. Um, but we'd like to hear what you think of the game as well. So if you have any questions or opinions about Tribes of Midgar when you're doing this, send send them our way uh, before, our, before we start recording our last podcast in May. So... Um, we can consider the information and questions or whatever that you send us. Jake, what are you playing right now? Um, I am playing Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, no. So I kind of stopped playing Elden Ring. Doesn't mean I won't go back to it, but it's just kind of... Like I kind of talked about on the last podcast, like I really like the game. I think it's a great game, but I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything when I play sure. it. So I, I'm just wandering around, killing things until I get enough thing. I, it takes me like literally fucking twenty minutes to get enough gems or whatever the fuck it's called mm. to level up my character one level, which barely increases my stats. So it's like, I don't know, man. It, to me, it's almost like, and if you watch people's reviews and stuff, 
that really like the game. They're like, yeah, I beat it and whatever, but it took me like 70 hours. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. So, um, but yeah, it, it is still a really good game. I'd still recommend it if you're into that type of game. But uh, I just, I had to, I had to stop because I had to play something else. Yeah, that's what you were saying so on I the last show in, that you were going to yeah. move on. So I jumped into Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm only like, I don't know, maybe two hours into it. I'm not really that far into it, but I can already tell that um, it's going to be one of those games where like the gameplay is meh, it's okay, but the aesthetic of the game is fucking awesome. Everything about it, like I love the aesthetic of everything. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, I and heard it was. I know, I know that a lot of people talk about how good the soundtrack is, but it's literally like all of the soundtrack is like fucking 80s music. Like, you know, actual licensed music, not like, uh, you know, shit that they just made up. It's, you know, it's so awesome to, like there was this one part in the beginning where you're trying to escape this like place and you're like flying the ship and uh you know they get in the ship and like shit's crashing down around you and star lord's like put on some music and like they uh the raccoon character whatever the fuck his name is rocket turns on uh iran by flock of seagulls <laughs> and it's just like playing while you're like dodging all of this shit and it's crashing yeah. down around you and like um yeah, it's really cool. The the banter between the characters is awesome. Like sometimes that shit can get a little bit cringy, but um and and I'm not going to say that that everything, every little quip, you know, lands, but uh so far I'm pretty interested in what's going on. The co- I've I've only done a little bit of combat, but it's weird. It's like it's like not a, it's like a third person shooter that's not a shooter it's weird it's like basically whenever an enemy comes after you you uh, instead of aiming with the left trigger it just locks on to whatever enemy is in your view and then you just hold down the right trigger until it's dead or you have to reload or whatever the fuck it is so there's no aiming in the game i mean you can aim that's weird if but it's there's a lot of like lock-ons and uh, and then you have these abilities, but you do have like the other team members that are with you, the other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they all have in- unique like abilities that you can use in combat strategically. So, like to give you an example, Groot, who's this big fucking tree thing, um, his his basic ability is that if you tell him to attack a group of enemies he'll bring a bunch of like vines up out of the ground and he'll capture them all and hold them all in place for a brief period of time that's cool um rocket because he's a uh, the the raccoon because he's like the tech the the tech expert he throws like bombs and stuff yeah and then you know uh drax who's like the big muscular guy he does like these attacks that because there's like a stagger gauge and kind of like in um, it might even, they might've even got it from cause Square Enix published both games. They might've even got the idea from uh, Final Fantasy seven remake. I but still like, haven't played a, that. Go ahead. Yeah. 
so there's like a stagger gauge and if you like an enemy might be really hard to kill but then when you stagger them they're vulnerable and you can kill them well drax is a drax has an ability where he can uh he can attack an enemy and it doesn't do a lot of damage but it does a shitload of stagger mm. and then the gamora who's the last member of the squad she does an attack that's like a melee attack that does a ton of damage so like in the in like the lore groot and and uh uh rocket are very like they're really friendly with one another and then gamora and drax they're not you know they're not friendly like they have this sort of antagonistic relationship but they're always kind of fighting with each other so even in the story they're kind of you know with each other in some capacity whether it's arguing or friendly but like what's cool is that their their abilities complement each other in the combat. Yeah. Now granted I've like I said I've only played this for like 2 hours so there's so a little juxtaposition. But yeah, so like you know for you know you can use Groot to like tie up a bunch of enemies and then have Rocket like throw a bomb and blow them all up. And then you know with Drax and Gamora Drax can like on these really powerful enemies, he can come in and just fucking stagger them and then you have Gamora come down and do this high damage attack that takes them out. So um, it's really cool. And then there's a, like star Lord, whenever you're sh- running around shooting, when he runs out of, I don't know what his, whenever his magazine is empty, whatever the fuck they call it in the game, his energy runs out of his pistols or whatever the hell. Um, like you've probably played games before where when you're reloading, there's like a, there's like a, like a hot spot in the reload yeah. meter where if you click it when it's in that zone, something special happens. Usually you get like an extra round or, or, or maybe you do extra damage for a short period of time. Well, in, in this game, star Lord does like this, like power attack whenever you do that, mm. where he does a, a lot of uh, weapon damage really I'm quickly. cool with that. Yeah. And then like the last thing that I'll bring up about the combat that I think is I, I'm, I've only done it once, so I'm not sure if I'm sold on it yet. But there's this, you know how like a lot of times when you in these games where you'll like fight and fight, and then you'll have like a power meter, and then it fills up, and you can do something, something with it. Super, yeah, right. So like a super ability. Well, in this, they they have I don't remember what they call it, but you can like if all of your enemies, if all of your allies are down, then you can and you have this meter build up or whatever mm-hmm. you can uh press the two bumper buttons and it'll do like they call it a huddle up where all of the guys will get together in front of you and they'll be you'll see like words floating over the guys the t- your teammates heads and the whole like thing of it is that star lord is giving gives the team like an inspirational speech to like get them to win the battle yeah and you have to pick the responses for the speech based on what the characters are currently thinking about Mm. and if you succeed then all the characters come back to to health and everybody has a damage boost but if you fail because it's a power up if you fail, only you get a damage boost, but everybody still comes back. They just don't, it's not that everybody gets a damage boost. Right. So it's, 
It's a little, it's a little cheesy, but I've only done it once. So I don't know, maybe it plays out differently later in the game, but it's, it's kind of a unique, I, I, I like that they did something unique with it. Yeah. for Whether sure. or not it hits a hundred percent. I'm not sure yet, but so I, but I am enjoying it so far. I will say that like when I play this game, so there's, there is one thing that I think is really fucking weird about it. There's no fidelity in uh, performance mode in this game. The only like ability you have to to mess with the frame rate at all is they they give you the option for some fucking reason to just lock or unlock the frame rate. That's the only option you have. So, like when I'm playing it. I was like, man, this is really clunky and sluggish. Yeah. And so I just, I went into that thing and it's like unlock the frame rate and it'll go up to 60 frames. And I'm like, okay. So I just unlocked it and it runs way better. Yeah, it's weird. And so like now it does occasionally if there are these big set pieces, like there is at the beginning of the game, it does, you know, drop some it's not a locked 60, but it, that, it never goes lower than 30. So at worst, I'm where I was originally. And so I don't know why you would ever run at a locked 30 if that's the lowest it's ever going to be. But um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe people get a little you know crazy whenever the frame rate's moving around on them. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And the other thing, too, is I had to turn the sensitivity on the controls for this all the way up. Yeah, I hate games that are like that. I mean, I and I, doesn't I like games that are like that too, but I hate it when games do that. Because I don't play with the sensitivity super high. So I imagine if you if you're if you're a person that likes to play with the sensitivity of their games super high, you would be annoyed as fuck with this game. Because with the sensitivity cranked all the way up, it's still not that sensitive. It just feels like a tank almost. Yeah, so I'm like, why? What? I don't know. I mean, this is this is a you know, it's a triple A game, but it's it has a little bit of a double A feel to it, which is kind of interesting. Not in a bad way or anything, but like, it seems like there was some stuff like that that maybe would not have been overlooked had it been at a different studio. This was done by Idos Montreal, which is not a bad studio by any means, but uh, I don't know. It's a uh, it's cool though. I like it. I'm really excited to keep playing yeah, more. Yeah, keep to be us posted because I, I've heard nothing but good things, surprising things about this game. The one thing that I have heard is that the story just is fantastic. So yeah. in, enjoy that. I, it's on my list, and uh, we still got to get you to play Village. I just remembered I have that disc. So next time you're around, I'll have to float you that. Um, yeah, I'd like to play it. Yeah, and then. I was thinking while you were talking, like if I had a choice to be in any superhero group, it would 100% be the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I wouldn't want to be a part of the Avengers or like, I don't know, like the X-Men or whatever the fuck. Like Guardians of the Galaxy seemed like the coolest, the coolest group to be a part. They're not even really superheroes. None of them are superheroes too, which is Fantastic. I guess maybe part of why it's cool. Yeah, I this is... Yesterday, when I started playing this game, my first ever experience in any fashion with Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, never really? Never watched any of the movies, never read any of the comic books. Yeah, so... Their movies are fantastic. 
Yeah, I've heard they're good, but for whatever reason, like they didn't, it wasn't something that, you know, when I saw the trailers, like it didn't appeal to me. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, but I heard such good things about the game. I was like, I'm going to try it out. And now it seems like something I might be interested in. Cool. So that's cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the news a little bit, Jake. There was a lot of news, and I tried to just kind of cherry pick some things that I was just personally interested in. So, I mean, it's, as our listener Jeff had written in a while back, is that if people are coming to us just for the news, get it somewhere else, but you'll hear a commentary on some of this important stuff or interesting stuff, really. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We pull a lot of our news from Push Square and uh, PushSquare.com, and then I'll go to the PlayStation blog occasionally. So the first news point, I found this on the PlayStation blog. They had a developer diary with um, – the studio behind Deliver Us the Moon, which released in 2019. It was a three to five hour puzzle sci fi post apocalyptic game. I have never played it. Third person, set in outer space. You kind of have to align satellite dishes around the moon or something. That's like the, to achieve some sort of goal to like do something. So apparently they have a sequel called Deliver Us to Mars. And it's coming to the PlayStation 5. It's going to have, like, ray tracing, all this stuff. They had – the studio is uh, Kyokin Interactive. And it's uh, it's apparently a little more ambitious than the first one. And the developer indicated that they were really, really inspired by The Last of Us Part Two, And I believe mainly the story – because they said that the story for Deliver Us uh, to Mars is going to be awesome. They're, like, so excited about it. So, And this all comes away the PlayStation blog article um, via that developer diary. Jake, have you seen anything about Deli- – you, have you ever played Deliver Us the Moon? No, but I did see some, like, footage from the new game and – when I first saw it, it was just a little clip of it. When I first saw it, I thought it was footage from Returnal. Yeah, it kind of has that vibe. It's very, very interesting. But uh, it looks cool. Dude, I mean, I don't three know. Three to I, five I, hours for the first game, like, that's worth sinking my teeth into. Like, I could, like, bite that off in a week, you know? And I think it did okay. It has, like, a six, seven or something, you know, Metacritic or whatever for what that's worth. But. It, space stuff is cool. We still have to get into Mass Effect 2, but that's going to be it's going to be something else. I just thought I'd throw that out there. You can still get some cool things over the PlayStation blog. And then this next one is the biggest news story really that I have. Um in in well, it's kind of like a twofer. So, according to Square Enix, their efforts with Outriders has yet to yield any profit. They also haven't even broken even yet. Um, and this news comes in shortly after learning that Embracer Group is now set to acquire a boatload of Square Enix Studios. And this is from Push Square, um, in quotes. Uh, the acquisition will include studios Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal, IPs such as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Legacy of Cain, Thief, and more than 50 back catalog games are also part of this agreement. The total value of the deal is a surprisingly small $300 million, 
The press release on Embrace's website states the deal is expected to close somewhere between July and September 2022, and the purchase of the above-mentioned studios comprises about 1,100 employees, and uh, the statement continues. But I look at the chart at the end of the notes I, is what I have. So if you look down at the chart, Jake, that I have at the bottom of these notes, this is a really cool uh, pie chart that actually was posted by another video game podcast called the DualSense Podcast. And we have a little bit of a bromance with them on Twitter. We're always liking each other's stuff. And uh, I don't know those guys personally, but they they uh, posted this, and this came from somewhere else. And it's a really interesting graphic to see all these big companies in the studios that they actually own. It's It's really staggering to look at. So you have Ubisoft in the graph, in the pie chart, and of course they got all these Ubisoft minor studios, you know, um, you know, Massive is in there, and uh, Red Storm, and a couple other ones, and then you know, Microsoft. It looks pretty impressive, but it's a smaller piece of the pie. Uh, Take Two has a lot of big names in there, like all the Rockstar stuff, you know, and uh, you know, Two K, and it's a little, even a little smaller than Microsoft's ownings. But then Embracer, <laughs> it's fucking mammoth. They've got so yeah. many studios. Uh, so I don't know if this is a quantity over quality situation on Embracer's part. They've got Gearbox, you know. They've got some other, uh, you know, Volitions in there. Deep Silver. They've got some decent studios for sure. An uh, Embracer Group, and it is the largest piece of the pie. And then EA, you know, has Dice and all these other Respawn and PopCap. I remember PopCap Games with Bejeweled. That was their big thing. Um, you know, and then the EA Sports or whatever, and then we have Tencent, and uh, they just keep gobbling up a bunch of studios. Um, I don't know what the most impressive one. Sumo Digital's on there. Uh, God, what else is there? Maybe Riot Games. Um, Tencent doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. And then Sony, and then we got Sony, and Sony is the smallest piece of the fucking pie of all these companies that own studios, um, but. Small doesn't mean uh, not relative or important because, man, they've got PlayStation Studios now, XDev, Bluepoint, Bend, Naughty Dog, uh, Insomniac, Gorilla, uh, you know, just just enough. Enough their sucker punches under there. Um, you know, we've got a lot of really cool studios for Sony, but... I don't know. What's your take of this graph? And what do you think about Embracer gobbling up a good portion of Square Enix Studios? Um, yeah, I, I get there's some there's some speculation. And maybe I don't know if you have that on this list or not. But I, there's some speculation. We talk about it. That. Uh, you know, there's going to be possibly a deal between Square Enix and Sony. So it's possible that maybe what's going on is that Square Enix is Sony's like, Hey, we're interested in purchasing you, but we only want your Japanese teams. And if that's true, then maybe Square Enix is like, okay, well the Western teams, kind of suck anyway i mean i don't I, I don't mean that but they they you know they're good teams but they haven't they haven't been successful in recent memory i mean the last i mean 
correct me if I'm wrong, but like the you know they the Guardians of the Galaxy was like a surprise hit for them. Mm. And but other than that, you know, Avengers was a flop. Guardians of the Galaxy, while it was critically acclaimed, is a commercial flop. It's gaining success now because of Game Pass, but that doesn't give Square Enix any money in the long yeah. run. I don't know. I love so, the Tomb Raider games, man, but Sony's well, probably sure, like, sure. we don't need that. We have Uncharted. Yeah, well, yeah, Sony doesn't need doesn't need them. They've. That's the thing is that Sony, as far as teams that they might actually want that would complement their repertoire or their, uh, their catalog, the only ones that really make sense are the Japanese teams. Like Sony doesn't have any JRPGs or anything like that, which is bizarre given right. that it's a Japanese company. So I could definitely see, you know, them wanting exclusive control over Final Fantasy um, and whatever the hell else is going on there. Like maybe, maybe you know, Sony is going to own or ha- have some ownership over uh, some of these other smaller JRPG style titles. I can't remember. I think, um, what was that game? Octopath Traveler? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Square Enix published that. So like, you know, games like this that are, they're not incredibly expensive, but they're incredibly popular. Triangle Squared also, I think, or whatever. That that came Triangle Strategy. That's what it was, Triangle Squared. What? Was the was the new one? So, um, can I? Am I surprised at this? A little bit, I guess. But I I am just hoping that this doesn't mean. I'm I'm curious as to what this means for those teams. Are they going to be able to continue making stuff? Like, can Idos can Idos Montreal make another Guardians of the Galaxy game? If if they're not owned by Square Enix anymore, is is Embracer gonna gonna put up the dough to get the license? Um, I I don't know. Deus Ex has been dead for a while, but a lot of people really liked the most recent one. Uh, Thief came out. There was a Thief game that came out at the beginning of the PlayStation Four life cycle that I thought was okay, but it wasn't great. And like you said, the best games that they've made critically and commercially in the last 10 years has been the Tomb Raider games. Yeah. And they're sort of in limbo right now. Yeah. Well, let's listen so. to our let's listen to our cool little uh, advertisement, Jake. And we'll come back and revisit this $300 million mark and, and see what we think about the price point on this. Because that's interesting. All right, check out this advertisement. We'll be right back. Welcome to the P.S. This is Awesome Patreon page. For those of you that don't know, my name is Fred Oakman. And I'm Jake Peters. And we're a PlayStation podcast currently in our 10th year. Our first episode aired in July of 2012, where we discussed and speculated on the arrival of the PS4. Over the years, we've used this podcast to take a break from adulting, share our love of video games, and in particular, PlayStation. The audio podcast is available on all major streaming services, and we have recently made the leap to uploading video content and video podcasting to our YouTube channel, as well as the very occasional Twitter post or live stream. Over the years, we have covered everything from PS3 to PS Vita through the launches of PS4, PSVR, and now PS5. As our audience has grown over the years, we have decided to start this Patreon with the hopes of creating a medium in which we can give you the opportunity to help support our show. 
And as a test bed, we're starting with a single tier. It's called the one and only $1 Club. So with your support at the $1 level, we're going to mail you a premium vinyl cut sticker and give you a shout out on the podcast. But at this time, unfortunately, we can only ship to the U.S. and Canada. But this is subject to change depending on your interest. So whether you're new to the show or you're a frequent flyer, we are forever thankful for your support and hope you can find it in your little gaming heart to join us in the one and only $1 Club. Until next time, like PlayStation, Podcasting, and Patreon, P.S. This is awesome. All right, we're back. Hope you uh, enjoy our advertisement. We had a lot of fun. We need to update that, by the way, because... uh, I think we have something in there about like you know we're in our currently in our tenth year or something so we're gonna have to rephrase some of that maybe edit it out but yeah so three hundred million dollars for this deal dude like does that seem appropriate I mean I don't know enough about uh... financials but like it doesn't seem like an we're so used to seeing these crazy billion dollar deals now that like three hundred million is like man that's not that much Crystal Dynamics IDOS Montreal and Square Enix Montreal for 300 mil. It does seem a little bit low, but to me, this tells me that... This tells me that either we're overvaluing those companies given their recent commercial flopping, or that is just how little... Uh, Square Enix cares about them. Or it's possible that, you know, if what I said earlier is true and Square Enix is trying to get in with my, with and Sony, they just need to offload these dudes. They're just shoveling them off and embrace, and they just went to embrace her and was like, yo, uh, just throw me a number. And because what like, Sony's going to give us is going to just blow our minds. So, yeah, so it's like, yeah, so like 300 mil. And we're like, they're like, okay, here you go. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, because because the, the, they don't like a lot of that stuff that they're giving up. Those IP are not other than Tomb Raider. They're not really anything worth caring about. Like Legacy of Kane is basically dead. Like they could bring it back, but it hasn't been around forever. Thief nobody cares about anymore. Deus Ex, it, like I said, the last one people enjoyed, but it's never been like this smash hit thing. Um, so in recent memory. Mm. Uh, but like, you know, the other games that Square Enix published that I care about the most, they weren't developed by these studios. So we're talking about the the little the little games like the Octopath Traveler and the Triangle Strategy, or even one of my favorite games of last year, Outriders. That game was not developed by Square Enix. It was it was de- published by them, but it was developed by People Can Fly, who's an independent studio. So uh, and you had just mentioned that people, you know, that that game has not broken even yet, apparently. And part of me wonders uh, how much of that is really on the game and how much of it is on Square Enix's handling of it. Yeah, they could have they could have maybe pushed it a little bit better, marketed it a little bit better, because whenever they originally brought it out and were marketing it, it looked so generic. It looked so boring. They didn't highlight the good parts of the gameplay. And then, like, the game comes out, and it's on Game Pass, so people actually try it. And then they're like, holy shit, this is actually really fun. So, 
you know, but at that point they've already taken the game pass deal, probably didn't make enough money on the game pass deal for how successful it was. And then, you know, they sold a bunch on Sony, obviously, but they lost probably a good chunk of money on that taking the bag for game pass. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting, but I I hope that Outriders has another chance. Yeah, because I, I think critically it did really well, but commercially, apparently, uh, not well. You know? Dude, that game is so good. I still have so good. Played. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's on the level of like a Sony first party game or something like that. But if you're talking about just a fun game where you're just murdering dudes and you know, doing like and trying to accomplish some kind of an okay story, and it's like a light RPG kind of thing. It's a lot of fun. So I hope this isn't the end of that franchise. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's move on to the next news point, Jake. They got a couple left here before we wrap up the show. Genshin Impact. I just want to remind people this game exists. It's a free to play game. My brother loves this game. He's always fucking playing this game. Always. Always play. Once he started playing it, he's never stopped. I got into it briefly, and I was like, "This is just too much." But uh, it's kind of like a Breath of the Wild game. But according to reports, it is making a billion dollars every six months, and it's uh, on mobile alone. That's not even consoles. So that's insane money. This game it has like a, a crazy, crazy following. They're diehard. They're always, always rolling out new shit for this game to buy. Um, and it's it's a good game. That's a thing. The game is good. So it, as long as they keep supporting this thing, it's just going to be – this This is the next thing. It, it's like it is the next thing already, and no one really even gave it any thought. But Genshin Impact, it's fucking rad. It's a cool game. It's way better than fucking Fortnite, I'll tell you that. And uh, did you play Fortnite? Don't have to. Oh, okay. Don't okay. have to, dude. <laughs> I've played Genshin I, and it's so fun. It's fine. It's fine. You played really Genshin, right? Yeah, I play. I played probably five or six hours of Genshin Impact. I couldn't get into it, dude. The art it's, style, everything's me, so cool. It's. I think that the art style is cool, but the gameplay is just too clunky. I, I don't. It, it, it was designed for mobile, and they ported it to console. And it's like, yeah, okay. They did a good job of porting a mobile game to console, but it still feels like a fucking mobile game on console. Yeah. And I don't really. I, don't know. I think it's fucking great. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I appreciate that people like it, and I'm glad that it's successful. So I, successful. I hope that. I hope that that billion dollars isn't going directly to the Chinese government. But yeah, who knows where it's that's, going? That's uh, a. That's the, my only concern about it. But other than that, hopefully, who owns? Is, is this a ten cent game? Do you know? It is not ten cent, but Miu Toyo or whatever the Miuo or Muiho or however you pronounce that. <laughs> the developer is they're they're Chinese. Miho Toyo, yeah. So oh, um, crazy, and I I hate to be I hate to assume that every Chinese developer is like under the control of the Chinese Communist Party. But it's like, it's hard not to wonder because it's so weird over there. Well, I, I think they, um, they control whatever they want to control over there, right? Sure. So, I mean, if they want a piece of that pie, they're going to get it. So Right. But, I, yeah, I, but that's cool that it's it's so successful, and I'm glad that people – I'm glad that people really like it. Yeah. I wish that – I just wish that it was – 
I mean, to be honest, it was never going to be for me. Just the type of game, this online, like, you know. <laughs> That's why I'm worried MMO about Tribes of Midgard, man, because it's, a co- it's supposed to be a co-op game. And, like, I hope it's fun single player. We'll have two different experiences because I think LJ wants to play it with me. And uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play it by myself, and we'll see how yeah. it goes. It, it really is only going to be a problem is it, like, if it's scaled for four players, mm. but then, like, it doesn't change at all when it's just you, then okay. If I'm, like, struggling the whole time because mm-hmm. there's nobody else with me, then that might suck. Yeah. You know, there, there are elements – I mean, but you know, think about games like Destiny, for example. There are, there are areas of Destiny that are hard if you don't have people with you. Yeah, for sure. And that's just because that's how the game was developed. That's just how it is. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, we will. kudos to Genshin Impact for, for doing its doing its thing. Yeah. Well, Hangar 13 is developing a new Mafia game. It's going to be a prequel to the trilogy. Now, I know the, the recent remaster, remake, whatever the hell it was of the Mafia games, was really well received. Um, I don't know that a lot of people played it, but critically, people, like they were like, yeah, this is awesome. Um but I don't know how it did commercially. But so they're working on a uh, prequel to that trilogy, which is kind of cool. I, I like the, the mob stuff. I think it's fun. Um, you know, maybe not in real life, obviously, but in video game form and in movie form and stuff, it's it's cool. So I'm curious to see how this shakes out. Um, just a little tidbit for everybody. Anything on that, Jake? Any opinions? Um, I. I don't know that I have any opinions on this. Mafia is one of those games I've always kind of wanted to get into, but I've never really had a chance. And I thought Mafia 3 was going to be a game that I'd be into, and then I saw like what people were saying about it. I was like, oh, mm. this sucks because the game, the story of the game seems so awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, but you find out that the gameplay and it was so crappy. Like, there's so much. And then there's all these glitches yeah. and. And so I, I was kind of bummed out about that. But, yeah, I mean, it's always seemed cool. Like, I feel I feel like when I was younger, my brother played one of the Mafia games. Maybe Mafia 2, a bunch. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember, though. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that shakes out. Summer Game Fest is happening, listeners. It's happening June 9th. 2022 and since there's no e3 this is probably as good as it's gonna get as far as game shit this summer um this this is jeff Keeley's little thing i think and uh we'll see we'll see i mean for as many people that like kind of rip on that dude like if he wasn't orchestrating all this stuff like it'd just be a void like there wouldn't be anything yeah, he just needs to dial back the fucking ads. Holy moly. I know he's got to pay he's for it somehow, yeah. but like... It's cost him um, million dollars, millions of dollars to do what he's doing. For just... If it's online, fuck Christ. All right. Um, now, I will say this. Sony can come out and they can make a big splash maybe with PSVR 2 or something like that. But the only thing anybody gives a shit about at this event is the the reveal of... Starfield, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, and you know it's going to so, happen. So, yeah, it, it almost has to happen at this event. And you know, I could be completely wrong, and maybe there's other shit going on or whatever. But and you know, they they can make, but but a lot of these big companies, I think, are going to be avoiding avoiding this event for that reason. Mm. 
because Starfield is going to be there most mm. likely. And so, and, and probably with Starfield, they're going to probably announce like the next big update for the Halo Infinite multiplayer stuff, which is going to be huge also. So, but like I said, Sony could make a splash and they could come out and be like, here's fucking PSVR 2 and it only costs $400 or $300 or something like that. Yeah, and then memes. people would be like, ooh. But, uh, you know, I... I feel like Sony for something like that, they're going to do their own reveal. I don't see them doing It'll it be as part of play, Jeff dude, Keighley's for sure. Thing. They may, they may, if they're going to make a splash at Jeff Keighley's thing, they may do like factions or something like that. I doubt that because that's first party, man. They'll probably, I don't know. Who knows what they're going to do? But they might reveal it. They might officially reveal it with a little bit of gameplay and then do an in depth state of play on their own. I bet you. It's really yeah, hard to say. Dude, what we're going to get. If we get anything about factions at this thing, is going to be just a black screen, and you're going to hear Joel's fucking voice, and it's going to be like, "Hey, little girl, it's going to be tough out there for you." And it's going to be like, and you're going to hear all this different stuff, and then it's just going to be like a title screen, factions two, you know, and, and yeah, <laughs> I hope and, it's not called factions two, but yeah, last of us factions two, and then it'll be like. Coming with the Last of Us remake 2024 or some shit, and then that's all you're gonna get. There'll be some yeah, bullshit I, thing like that, dude. I mean, they might. That could be another thing that they talk about is what's going on with the Last of Us remake and what's going on with this supposed Uncharted project. It's been too damn long. Um, like Naughty Dog, come on, give us something. I mean, Naughty Dog. It's only been a year and a half since. The Last of Us Part Two. Well, two years since The Last of Us Part Two came out, so I guess it has been a couple of years, and we haven't had anything out of Naughty Dog since then because they didn't do any up. As far as I remember, they didn't do any updates or any DLC for the last. All of they us did was that Part survive two. grounded mode or something. Well, yeah, whatever. That that probably fucking took them you know a month to make. So it's not like it was a big deal, but and then it might have even been in the in the chamber when they released The Last of Us Part Two. So I. I don't know. I mean, I could see something out of Naughty Dog. I could see something about the. Seems a little early for them to discuss something about the new Ghost of Tsushima game or Wolverine. Um, yeah, yeah, Wolverine's way off. I mean, maybe they could say something about Spider-Man Two, but um, you know, they they already kind of talked about it at what was it? Was it? Uh, Jeff, what, when did they talk about Spider-Man 2? It, it was when they revealed Wolverine. Yeah, I don't know when that was. Um, I don't remember when that was. It was maybe maybe the Game Awards or something. I, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I have a feeling that, that this is going to be a, like Microsoft might walk, or walk away with this one, this showcase. But uh, we can always hope to get something cool from the Sony side. Like I said, the biggest thing that they have on offer is either what Naughty Dog is doing or, you know, hardware shit with PSVR 2. Because they they could easily come out and say, like, PSVR 2 is $300 and nobody's going to give a shit about what Microsoft's talking about. Well, I take that back. It's it won't be that it'll it won't like there's still going to be a lot of people that care about that because people on Sony can't play Starfield and people on Microsoft can't use PSVR, but like optically in the industry, 
it it would be a kind of a kind of an interesting head to head there. But yeah, we'll see what happens. It's in a couple of weeks, so I'm excited to see what comes mm-hmm. out. Maybe Sony and Microsoft will like announce a new console, a shared console called like the Playbox or something. Yeah, yeah, that'll no, never. We don't. Happen. We don't know what to have the play box. We don't know. Microsoft's trying to get away from consoles. I don't know what Sony's. Doing. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? But those are all decent, decent predictions, Jake. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen at Summer Game Fest. We're just going to have to find out. It's right around the corner, June 9th. and it's uh, we're recording this what May, May, May eighth. I don't know what is today. The eighth, I think maybe. Wow, I'm good at that. And then, so, last news point, there are new difficulty options available now for Sifu in an update. And apparently, the quote-unquote student mode, while not easy, will make the game more approachable in how they introduce you into the combat and kind of, there's some tutelage there. So, Sifu looks more and more interesting. That Trek to Yomi game that just came out looks Awesome, but I guess the gameplay is just kind of like meh, just a couple button button mashes. But the graphically and fidelity wise, it from what I've seen, it looks fantastic. So yeah, I, that's I heard kind of the same thing. Like it's basically aesthetically amazing, but the gameplay is just kind of meh. And I, uh, which is kind of it's interesting. That's kind of how I feel about Guardians of the Galaxy so far. But um. But yeah, it looks super cool. I, Sifu, I don't think I'm going to play it. I've never really been a big fan of hand-to-hand combat in games. Just generally, I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, s- sort of short of a game like uh, Streets of Rage or something like that, where it's like an arcade game, like Final Fight, like a beat 'em up or something. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never, you know, I've never really been all that interested in playing these like in-depth melee combat games like even uh sleeping dogs i never really got into oh, because man. i didn't really enjoy the combat all that much that was a great and game. so and people love it i'm not saying that it's bad no i, I know think, what like, you mean say, but it's same thing with like the the arkham games people love the arkham games and i never really got into the whole you know batman you know hand-to-hand sort of like tanky combat in that game either there's just something about it. Like when I'm playing a video game, I like to keep my distance. I like using weapons. I mean, even if it's a melee weapon, but like something that's, you know, I don't know. There's, there's something feels- about it. I think maybe part of it maybe is I'm just a lazy gamer and I just want to like yeah. fucking shoot bullets. But like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting though. I, I, uh, I'm interested to see what, what it means like how easy they actually made it because I, because this could be a template for other games like this. You think about a game like Returnal that uh, their, their approach to making it quote unquote easy is to make it co-op, like allow you to play it cooperatively. And that doesn't mean the game is easy. It just means that you can have another player in the game. Now, does it make it inherently easy because they can revive you and all that kind of shit? Sure. But the enemies are no easier. You know, the it's really only going to be helpful when you've got like one boss and you can kind of surround them and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you still have to dodge all the bullets. You still have to do all the things. So if you think about like one of the, the enemies, one of the main bosses in Returnal and they're shooting all these, these patterns of, 
of uh, projectiles at you. And if you're both not good enough to dodge the shit, you're still going to die. <laughs> so I guess I'm curious, like, if Sifu comes out and we're like, okay, we made the super hard game, but we're going to give, we're going to make an approachable version of it that is kind of baked in and not like, oh, you want to make it easy? Just bring a friend. So um, I'm curious how that'll play out and if it'll influence any of these other games like Returnal. I don't think Housemark's going to be influenced because they do them and that's cool. Like, I like it. But, you know, I don't know. That's all I have to say about that, I guess. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, good deal, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like still recovering from last night, man. I'm so tired today. And to the listeners, if you picked up on my la- of of what seemingly is a lack of enthusiasm this morning, that is not the case. It's just uh, it's up super late last night. My voice hurts. I've drank two glasses of uh, hot tea with honey, and I've got all kinds of yard work ahead of me today. And it's Mother's Day, and I got plans, and uh, I just don't know what to make of this Embracer Group stuff and all that stuff with the Sony. And the Sony acquiring Square is still just an allegation or some some rumors. It, it hasn't been officially announced. Uh, but the video game journalists of the world are all starting to think that this is something that's getting worked out. And it very well may be what Jake said. Um you know, my biggest concern about Sony acquiring Square is it might make somebody like Microsoft aggressively pursue uh, Sega with the intent of acquiring Atlas specifically, yeah. which is the the studio that Atlas has P Studio who makes the Persona games. Yeah, which it you know I'm not a huge JRPG fan. But the Persona games are fucking awesome, and they're like worldwide successes. And I know they've historically been PlayStation exclusives, so you know, I I would just hope that if somebody were to acquire them, they were to make the games at the very least multi-platform. And I think the same thing with Sony. Like, I don't think Sony should steal. Just do what they're doing with Bungie. Final right? Fantasy. Yeah, they sh- they should make them available to everyone and just yeah, just, does, just gobble up the profits. Like I I don't understand. I, I get I get the idea behind ex- exclusivity. It's to sell consoles, but Sony's already you know unless Sony wants to make a three hundred dollar console like Microsoft is doing, they're they're gonna struggle with you know competing in the console space in the long run. Now, maybe Microsoft eventually leaves the console space altogether in, in favor of streaming platforms on TVs and devices and all that kind of shit. And if that's true, then Sony will no longer have a competitor except for, you know, they'll, they'll be the home for the hardcore. But I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. I just hope that if Sony does pick up Square Enix, you know, they still put out these games on Switch and PlayStation and Xbox and um, and uh, PC. Because, for example, like, it sucks that Octopath Traveler is not on PlayStation. Like, I played it, and I but I played it on Xbox. And it sucks that nobody but Nintendo fans can play Triangle Strategy. Yeah, yeah. Because 
Square Enix is really weird where they put like one game out here and one game out there and one game out there. And it's like, just, I get you're getting that, you know, you're getting that timed exclusivity kind of Mm. deal, but man, I'm not going to buy all three platforms. No, not me either. Now I I would love to own a switch, but I'm not going to pay 300 plus dollars for one. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's annoying. I don't think I would get a lot of time out of the Switch. I don't travel enough, and if I'm at home, I'm playing a PlayStation. That's yeah. just how it boils down to for me. Um, and uh, just because I like the controller, and that's what I've got. Well, anyways, Jake, I think we're done for the day. Thank you for tuning in to episode 222, the trifecta of twos. We are PS This Is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast. Tune in every week for more PlayStation conversation as well as opinions and to hear about what Jake and I are doing in our everyday life. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Like California games, Chickaroy, A Colorful Tale, and Chorus. P.S. This is awesome. Awesome.